0: Welcome to episode two of Kept Secrets. You're listening to episode 11. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experience and treatments that helped heal my broken heart and soul. My abuse started as early as five to six years old until I was 15, and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There is a long history But I've been able to create this podcast in hopes of helping one person. I hope that person is you. Thank you guys for coming back and listening to season two. Um, I went in chronological order for um, the episode numbers. So just they're going to go in increments of 10. So when I say episode 11, that's just because we're in season two, episode one. Um, Tonight's topic... It took me a while to decide what I wanted to talk about. Being on vacation and the holidays and things like that, um, I kind of tried not to focus on this as much, um, but I wanted to spend time with my family and my stepkids and my husband and um, just try to enjoy the moments. And I feel like I did okay. But then when I got back to reality last week, I struggled my I was going to work on this last Monday but I literally was just trying I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do so this episode I decided to pick the topic titled while I'm successful and a survivor I do carry baggage from my childhood so it's actually kind of a question So while I am a survivor, do I carry baggage from my childhood? In short, absolutely. I have a small list of things that I'm going to go through. Um, The first thing is a physical issue that I have, and that is my weight. I've always been a bigger person. It started at birth. I was 11 pounds and 9 ounces. Thank God my mother... um, had a cesarean because, you know, that's just not fun to think about. But um, so my, my weight started then because my mother was diabetic and they called me like a sugar baby. So moving forward in my life, um, there was not a lot of nutrition. There was not a lot of um, healthy things. One time I was sitting with my mom's brother, her only brother, and we were discussing things from way back in the day, like before I started school, when I was still living um, as a close-knit family with my mother, her father, and her brother, and his spouse and children. Um, That was, I think I was kindergarten and before. So that being said, he and I were discussing things because I was asking, you know, just for clarification on a few things. And one thing that he said that really kind of struck a nerve with me was any time I was fussy or acted like I needed anything, like from my mother, she would give me food to distract me. So... For instance, if I was getting fussy because I wanted to, didn't want to do something or wanted to do something, she'd throw a bag of potato chips at me or a bag of candy and just get me quiet, basically. So I started off really young with that kind of mentality about food. So moving on into elementary, I was always the biggest kid in the class, always, always. And I can remember being in third grade, and my granddad, I lived with him at that time, and he made a comment that I weighed as much as he did. A grown man, there was a third grade child who was what, how old is that, like seven, eight years old maybe? Um, I weighed 240 pounds. So it was a lot and it just snowballed after that. You know, I got into high school and all of the abuse and everything that I went through, I just, apparently I turned to food and I can, I can remember times when I would drink soda after soda and I'm talking high sugar like Mountain Dew and Sprite and Coke and Pepsi and you know, just the high sugary drinks I would drink those one right after the other it 's a wonder my teeth did not rot out. Um, I would eat little Debbie snack cakes all the time. I would eat macaroni and cheese If my mom was going to be gone, uh, she would just make sure that we had my brother and I had things that that I could make at home and I could make macaroni and cheese and I could make grilled cheese um. Sometimes she would leave me money, and I would go over to the grocery store behind us, and I would buy a little pint of ice cream, and that was my dinner. Um, now, my brother, he never really struggled with his weight, but boy, I did. Um, and I still do to this day. That, that's why I was saying that is probably the one thing that I carry into my adulthood that is a direct consequence, I don't want to say consequence, it's a direct link to my past. You know, um, when people look at me, they can see my physical appearance. Whereas a lot of other people who may have been through trauma and and abuse, they don't wear it on their outside like I do. Um, They have, you know, the the mental issues or the depression, you know, I have those too. But like, people can literally just see this and I, it, it messes with my confidence. Um, that is something that over the last year or so I've really worked on and apparently I'm, I'm doing better. Some days I really just feel like I've been kicked with a boot in the face and, you know, I don't really feel confident, but you know, I, I have other days where I feel great and I feel fine and I'm like, good, I'm making progress. I am no longer where I was 25 years ago when my stepfather left our home. And so sometimes I have to remind myself of that. So this year my weight has become something that I really want to work on. I have tried over the years to get weight loss surgery approval through insurance. And for some reason, I just don't get approval. So I'm guessing that that's telling me something. So I'm focused on that. I'm focused on moving a little bit more and doing things like that. So hopefully, with the weight going down, my confidence will go up and I will see the results of that so and I'm not saying that everybody who's overweight has been through sexual abuse or neglect or trauma I'm just saying that for me um, that was definitely something that led to my weight issue um, so moving on another thing that I carry around as baggage with me still is the power struggle within myself a few episodes back I talked about giving taking your power back and give putting the blame where it belongs with your abuser and taking your personal power back. Some days I literally feel like I am 100% in control of everything in my life and things are good. But then there are days when that little, little bit of shame kind of peeks its head out and it's like, hey, um, wonder what old Tom's doing, you know? And then all of a sudden it piques my interest and I, I just get pulled backwards. And Tom, if you haven't listened to any of the other episodes, Tom was my stepfather who, um, was my main abuser for six years. Um, I, it started when I was nine and he left our home when I was 15. Um, the other abusers that I talked about in the introduction to this, um I kind of sprinkle those throughout all the other episodes and talk about situations so um and I'm sure going forward, I'll probably talk about them too, but the the abuse from Tom was by far probably the worst in the mental part um so the power struggle within myself, not that I give Tom the power. But I give doubt, self-doubt and self-hatred and, you know, just all of those bad things that just tend to snowball, I give those the power that I should be holding on to for myself. Um, That is kind of something that's really hard for me to expand on because I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. Like when I have days like that Um, and typically you know how you just wake up one day and you're like, man, today's going to be a really crappy day. I can just feel it in my bones. Those are the kind of days that I'm talking about because you know, I could be having, could be having a great day. And then the next day, you know, I wake up and I'm like, man, this is going to be a great day. Sarcasm. And You know, it just, it takes my brain down this spiral of just going down roads that I don't need to go down. You know, researching where abusers are and what they're up to. Because I really don't care, but I want to know. And I don't know if that makes any sense. But I'll talk about that later um, in another episode because I think that is more of like an inner child issue and i'm not nurturing my inner child as much as i should when there is a day like that um so one of the other things one of the other baggage issues that i have is sadness, depression and anxiety sadness is because of the grief of what was lost my childhood was a shit show. Um I don't know how I made it through it, but I did and there was always some sort of bigger picture that I was looking at. Um you know, I I wasn't raised in church, but there was something in my heart that I knew there was something more to life. So this grieving the loss of my childhood is probably one of the saddest experiences I've ever gone through. Um, losing my mother, yes, that was sad. And, but that was kind of like part of life. But when, when you see other people you know, other parents spoiling their children and loving on them and talking them, you know, bragging about them and and just being parents, I get like a kick in the gut sometimes. And that's when the grief comes, because then I I just have to think about it. And I'm like, look, Nick, this is not this was not part of your past. You, you just have to accept the things that happened and the way things were. But going forward, I have control of things, and I can make life for my stepsons better. I can make life with my husband better. Um, I'm in control of that. Does it suck to think about? Yeah, it really is because, you know, I, I just wanted to go to Disney World, you know, like, I'm gonna tell you a really quick story that I may have told before, but I don't remember. So I was, (laughs) I was having a conversation with my stepsons while we were on vacation. And they were talking about all these times that they had been to Disney World. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) It kind of it, I was a little jealous. And maybe I shouldn't have said anything. But I was like, you guys want to hear something that happened when I was little? And they're like, yeah. So I was like, so when I was in the third grade, my mom took my brother and and my grandpa and they went to Florida to visit my grandpa's sister. Well, while they were down there, they went to Disney World. And I got to stay home and go to school and hang out with my mom's boyfriend at the time and his dad. And they just looked at me and they're like, well, why didn't you get to go? And I was like, yeah, that is the question. You know, when I did ask my mom about that later, she said it was because I had to go to school. Well, that's a crock of shit. So, you know, kids get taken out of school all the time for things. And I just, I just was kind of pissed off about it, you know? Like, how can you go and take one kid and not the other? It's just rude and mean and... I just don't understand it. And so when my stepsons were talking about how many times they'd been, you know, the fact that they went before they were even like two years old. And I'm like, you can't even remember going to Disney World at two years old. Like, why would a parent take? That's just my personal opinion. Why would somebody, you know, want to take their children? Unless it's just for the magical part of it. You know, like seeing Mickey Mouse and all of them and the kids faces and all that. I get that part. But the child, most likely, is not going to remember. <clears throat> so I I just I should have maybe not said anything to my stepsons about that, but I was so irritated because I was like, "Stop bragging. Not everybody had like this dizzy world every summer life, you know, growing up. Some of us had to spend weekends at the racetrack. Not that that was a bad thing. But you know when my mom wanted to do something, or my stepdad wanted to do something, I either had to go with them and do it, or stay home and not have food. So, <clears throat> except boxes of macaroni and cheese because they were only like thirty three cents back then. <sighs> anyway, I get I digress. I got really, <laughs> it's it's the grief of not having the experience. That a lot of other kids have. And, you know, a nine-year-old, may, one nine-year-old may be going to Disney World every summer. But when I was nine years old, I was having a full-on sexual relationship with my stepfather. And I was trying to understand why I was being punished by the man who was telling me that he loved me and then my mom acted completely oblivious like she, and maybe she didn't know. I don't know. Like I've talked about that before. But I find it hard to believe that something wasn't a red flag for her, but she just chose to look the other way. So it's that kind of stuff, you know. I wish that I could have had you know the the summers where I was playing outside all the time and not sitting inside eating Little Debbie Cupcakes and watching The Wizard of Oz 42 times in a week because I didn't have anything else to do because, you know, I, I, I had to stay home and babysit my brother or I had to go <clears throat> on a paper route with my stepdad because he apparently couldn't do anything on his own. So the grief and the aggravation is something that I still carry to this day. Uh, depression, it comes and goes. I am on medication for the depression and anxiety. Um, sometimes during certain times of the year, I will start to feel you know, a little sadness that's a little deeper than just sadness. And typically that's because there's an anniversary of something that was really bad coming up. So um, the medication that I'm on now is very low dosage, but it's enough to keep the bad depression from happening. Um, A couple of years ago in 2020, um, I decided in December of 2019 to go off of my medication because I wanted to enjoy my vacation with my husband and just not have to worry about the side effects of the medication, the intimate side effects. I don't know if, if you can understand that, but, um, so (laughs) when we got back home at the end of December, um, I still chose to stay off of my medication and I have a really bad re, um, withdrawal from one of the medications and, oh my gosh, I was pushing people away. I was crying all the time. I was a hot mess. And I didn't understand, at the time, I didn't understand how much the medication was helping me cope with a lot of the depression and the anxiety. But when I was going off of it and when I was off of it, I, I think I had stopped taking it for about three months And in that three months, I tried to alienate my best friend. I tried to, um, I don't really, my husband was so, so uh, sweet and supportive about it. But like I gained weight like crazy. I, you know, and then we rolled into the pandemic and I, I did go back on my medication during that, like right before that happened. And that helped. But then through that summer, like, I just got really mad about my job. And I quit my job that I had been at for, like, nine years. And uh, I just kept snowballing because I wasn't taking care of myself and my mental health. So I did go and I found another job. It was a good job. I mean, it was a fun job. I worked with one of my old co uh, coworkers. And it was fun. And we got to spend time together. But I, my heart was in the finance part of it, of my old job. So thank goodness I got to get my old job back. And then pretty quickly, I was able to move up into a management position. And I've been able to, you know, I don't want to say fake the confidence because it's not really fake. It's more like, well, let's just see what happens, you know, like but the things that i am confident in i'm really confident in so like some of my work um my relationship with my husband and i will have a whole episode i'm excited cuz this season i am going to have a whole episode on the relationship with my husband and how it um how that whole relationship came to be and it's going to be quite the fun roller coaster so um back to my list of the sadness depression anxiety and grief. Um, I also have trust issues. Who am I safe with? You know, and I don't mean physically. Am I safe with this person? Actually, that's not true. I do mean that because um, I learned a long time ago, thanks to Beth, my former uh, psychologist. Um, I learned a long time ago how important your gut feeling is, and there was an episode in the first season about red flags and how can a stupid flag help. That whole episode is about trusting your gut, and I give you some examples and things like that. What's really funny is maybe it's the title of that episode, but it's like the lowest listened to episode on this whole podcast So I encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, to go back. If you have issues with trusting your gut and things like that, to go back and listen to it and, you know, maybe it will help you with that. But the trust issue that I tend to have is with new people still. Um, Let's say that I'm in a work environment with people that maybe I'm not, that I don't work with closely, but I know of them. Well, the moment that I see or hear them talking crap about somebody else, my guard goes way up because I'm like, okay, if they're talking crap about this person, nine times out of 10, they're going to talk crap about me if I get close to them too. So, right there is a barrier. You have to trust your feelings. And, you know, I don't like people talking bad about me. And, I try, I used to be, and maybe I still am, but I used to be a serious people pleaser. Like I always wanted everybody to be like, you know, just happy with me. And when there was unbalance of that, I was a mess because I didn't, I didn't like that part, even though it's part of life. You know, people have disagreements and it is part of life and it's okay. It doesn't mean that you lose a friendship because you have a disagreement. Um, you're probably going to hear my dogs. I, um, <laughs> I couldn't not do the podcast here in my house because I felt guilty for leaving the dogs home alone. So that's, so if you hear whining, squeaking, barking, that's my dogs, Archie and Belle. And that Archie likes to sneeze cause he's a little Shih Tzu. So, um, okay. Anyway, back to. The issues. So other trust situations that I have would be um maybe some maybe old friends that I had at one time and we become reacquainted. Archie, stop. We become reacquainted, and you know, then all of a sudden they're contacting me all the time and they they're really getting um needy about the friendship. That is a big red flag for me because it's like it's it's lopsided it is not a reciprocated friendship it's you know you want to have healthy friendships and when somebody is draining your energy then it's time to step back a little bit and that's okay because that goes into boundaries and that's something that everybody should learn is how to set healthy boundaries I still struggle with that. Um, I struggle with that with my own brother because if if I try to set a boundary, he will blast through it like a i don't know bulldozer, and then all of us then the next thing I know, I'm in this relationship that is lopsided, you know, and i and it becomes emotionally exhausting, so I have to trust myself and my gut in the past Archie hush stop so i have to i have to make the healthy boundaries so that's where the trust issues come in and you know there are other people like my best girlfriend Brooklyn and my husband who i don't necessarily have trust issues with you know, there are people that you can be comfortable with. And your best friend and your husband should be those people. Um, and I'm so incredibly lucky and blessed that I have the two of them. And <laughs> I don't know what this dog wants, but I'm so lucky that I have them. But those relationships both have to be nurtured. And... Excuse me, I needed a little drink of water. Those relationships both have to be nurtured. And when things get a little off, you know, it's time to have one-on-one time. It's time to reel it in. And that's how it is for me anyway. Um, So trusting your gut and me trusting my gut and no... Knowing what kind of relationships I want to have is a big deal for me. Um, Oh my gosh, my dog is acting like a crazy little dog. (laughs) I don't know what he wants, but Um, another thing that I carry around with me is post traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. It feels like a time bomb all the time in my head, in my heart, in my gut. There, I feel like um, sometimes I go long periods of time without having any issues. Stop. I have long periods of time where there's no issues. And then all of a sudden, something just blows up in my head. And there's memories. There's, you know, it's nuts. And I'll have a whole episode on PTSD and things that I've personally gone through. These two dogs are feeding off each other right now. So I apologize ahead of time. Um, So PTSD is something that I feel like I carry around with me all the time. And it is always there. You know, it could be sitting at a restaurant, hearing a song on the radio. And then all of a sudden, my brain goes back to when I was 10 years old. And maybe this song is something that, that Tom listened to. And then I think about Tom, and I don't know why these dogs are going nuts. Stop. And they look at me like, all, like I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so then there's shame. Shame is one that is a touch and go with me. Like, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Um, I have been talking with some people in some Facebook groups. And they have been opening up to me about things that they feel, and um, a lot of them feel shame. And I understand, because shame is always there. I mean, it's it's situational, but it's still there. Um, and I can talk about that more later, but it is something that I still carry around. Um, when I first went to see Beth, my former psychologist... I she gave me this piece of paper with is something about the rocks. And it was about this little, this child that went into the woods. And when they they, something happened to them while they were in the woods. And when they came back out, they were carrying these heavy rocks. And it was the psychologist that was trying to get the child to put the rocks down and leave them. So, you know, there is a child that has gone to an abusive situation they leave there and they are different they are different one situation can change a child or an even an adult who gets raped or or you know something that violates them you know they are changed and it messes with their self confidence it messes with their trust it messes with their everything, their confidence. Um, So all I'm saying is the story, I didn't really understand it at the time because I was like, what does the kid with rocks have to do with me and my situation? But as an adult, it makes sense. You know, you have these horribly heavy rocks of, mistrust and pain and abuse and hurt that you're carrying around everywhere you go you're carrying them around so at what point in your life are you just going to stop and lay them down and move past that it is something that you have to want um it is something that takes a lot of work a lot of hard work um I remember being in treatment with Beth, and I refused. I didn't refuse. I just told my doctor, I was like, look, I don't want to be on medication because I want to feel these raw emotions. I want to work through it because I don't want to have to come back to it later. And that's what I did. I didn't have to go on medication for the depression until many years later. Now, early, early on, when I was like 16, there was a lot of medications and a lot, and then finally, as an adult, I think when I was in my mid twenties, and I went to see Beth again for round two of treatment, um, I didn't want I didn't want to be fogged with the medication at that time. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that if you're on medication and going through treatment that there's something wrong. That's just what worked for me, and I didn't I didn't have the brain fog. I was able to remember things vividly and sometimes that's a curse. But I was able to work through it and it took it took a while, but I was able to work through it. But the PTSD, whew, That stuff is scary when it does hit you. Um I've only had a handful of really bad episodes. One that I literally thought I was dying. But I'm here to tell you that you can work through them. You can you can recognize when something pops into your mind and it's it's starting. You can recognize it and you can acknowledge it as it's happening. And it doesn't have to change your life. It doesn't have to get you fired from your job. It doesn't have to make you want to crawl into bed and not leave for six months. It is something that you can work through. I promise. You just have to want it. You have to want to put the work into it. Now, it sucks that somebody did something to you and now you have to carry this around and you have to do the work to get away from it or get past it. But it is worth it. When you can look back on your past and the pain that you went through and think, I don't know how, I got through it, but I'm really glad that I did. That's when you know that there's healing. And, and you can see, like for me, I can literally see the through the whole path, if I were to lay it out in a map in front of us, you, I would be able to point out, this was a God thing, this was a God thing, this was a God thing. And this was, but as I was going through it, it didn't really feel that way, but it, it worked for me. And I'm, I pray that it works for you too. I pray that you find the right help, whether it be a licensed clinical social worker, a psychologist, even a, a psychiatrist is not going to work through the cognitive stuff with you. That's more of a therapist, um, but I do think the help is out there. You just have to look for it. And if you see a therapist and you're like, yeah, I didn't really jive with this person, it's within your own right to find another one. You know, ask for a different one because you just didn't feel it with that one. Now, I remember my very, very, very first session with Beth. I was six, it was my 16th birthday. And my mom and dad both took the days off work. My mom and dad were divorced for many years by this time. They both took the day off work. They went with me to this doctor's appointment to see Beth. Then they went with me to the hospital downtown where I had to go and get um, uh, like a rape kit done. And like the physical from a doctor where they take tissue samples and all that. And they um, look at all of the damage that was done and then they turn it into the courts and then that's when they go through all of that. But that day, I remember, I felt safe with Beth. I, um, I looked forward to our sessions. When the sessions were over, I always got homework. Now that was, that was early on. So Fast forward about eight or nine years when I go for round two, when I'm a mature adult, I think. (laughs) And I decided I've got to work on this. This is something I have to get through. So at that time is when I really, really put the work into it. So the PTSD, I had an episode in her office in a session when she was there with me. I had an episode in my house um, I've had episodes while I was driving. I've had them while I was at work. I've had them sitting in a restaurant with, with my family. So it's just what you do with it and how you're able to process it. <clears throat> so I know I kind of skipped around between the shame and the PTSD and the trust issues, but you know the, the topic is, even though I am a survivor and I'm successful at getting through of that, I do still carry baggage from my childhood. Um, things that I don't carry any longer, the one thing is guilt. I don't feel guilty for what he did to me, what they did to me, what my mother did to me, my stepmother, Um, you know, I don't feel guilty because of their actions. So that is a very freeing feeling. You know, sure, I have my weight issue, my confidence, the power struggle, sadness, depression, anxiety. I have a huge list of things that I do still carry. But the one thing that was keeping me from moving past the trauma was the guilt. I can't tell you how many times I would sit in Beth's office and talk about how I felt bad because of how I felt toward Tom, my main abuser. And I felt guilty for turning him in and him going to jail and him, you know, having to be on the sex offender registry for the state of Indiana, for him having um, to be looked at as a sex offender in public, people that we knew, you know, things like that. I felt guilt for that. And when I realized I put the blame where it belongs and I put it back on him and the other people who hurt me. And I'm like, you know, it is not something that I did. This is not my fault. I shouldn't feel bad because of what they did to me. I feel bad because of what they did to me, if that makes sense. I should not feel bad for them because of what they did to me, but I do feel bad because of what they did to me, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I I was not the one giving them the the thoughts to sexually abuse me. I was not the one who was pushing all of that and making those bad decisions. I just happened to be there when they were making those bad decisions. So because of their bad decisions, I had a shit ton of work to get through in my 20s and my 30s and mostly my 20s. But I'm not going to take that on for them. No way in hell. And... It is so liberating to be able to say that to you guys. Um, I am stronger and more powerful than all of my abusers. I'm just going to leave you with that. <laughs> um, another statistic that I, or one statistic that I wanted to tell you or to leave with you is one in four women and one in six men are sexually abused or violated before they're 18 one in four women and one in six men before the age of 18 think about that and I I'm not really assuming that because you're listening to this that you're one of those statistics but I will tell you everybody knows I am one of those statistics and I'm going to work like hell to get past that seriously don't know what my dog's problem is I'm sorry so I want you to remember and if you have to write this down on a piece of paper and stick it in your wallet or put it on your mirror in your bathroom or even put it on your visor in your car I am stronger and more powerful than all every one of my abusers whether it be one or 20 or 50 however many That you were victim of or you are stronger than them. Because you know why? Because you are trying to find help to fix this and break the cycle of abuse. Right now, Archie wants to go outside. (laughs) So I am going to end it here. But I just want you to remember that you are stronger and more powerful than all of your abusers in your life. Whether it be the bully at work or the bully at church or the bully, you know, in your family or friend that, you know, a friend of a friend or whatever. You're stronger than that and you are so much more powerful. So um, next week I'll have another episode for you. I'm not sure what the topic will be yet, but I promise I will... Try to make it good and not necessarily entertaining but thought-provoking for you so that you can work on getting through your own trauma. You can reach out to me through the Facebook group that's Kept Secrets. Um, I think it's a podcast about overcoming childhood trauma. I don't remember if it says sexual childhood trauma. I don't remember. But feel free to post things on there. Send me a message, direct message. I am here to help you in any way that I can. Because if I can literally just help one person heal from trauma that they went through, then I can safely say that all of the stuff that I went through will be worth it. I'm not saying it was worth it, but it will make it less painful for me. So until next time, I hope that you have a good afternoon, evening, morning, day, whatever it is you're doing right now. I hope that you make good choices. My dog's going to go outside, and next time, I'm going to do this podcast in my car. (laughs) Have a great day. I have a slight disclaimer. After um, listening to this again, I noticed at the very beginning, I said, welcome to episode two of Kept Secrets. You're listening to episode 11. Duh. Sorry. It's season two. Episode 11, because 1 through 10 was in season 1, now we're on episode 11, which is the first episode of season 2. Just wanted to let you know, have a great rest of your day.